Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? Good. Praise God. Me too. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you taking part of the first day of your week, which is Sunday. That can be a little confusing sometimes because we live in a culture where we really kind of start our week on Monday, but in actuality, uh, the first day of the week is Sunday, and that you're taking part of that day to worship God. And uh, you're here at the house of God. You came to church uh, to give part of your time, part of your finances to God, to turn your heart toward God and uh, to worship Him. And I'm grateful that you're here, and I want you to know it's, it's a good thing. Listen, when you give God part of your Sunday, you make the rest of your week holy. Okay, God's grace and blessing is on it. Same with your finances. See, when you give God part of your finances, it makes the rest of your finances holy. It doesn't make them religious. It makes them holy, which means that God's blessing and God's hand is on it. Well, today begins the, if you will, the first day of the Christmas season. I know it's still Thanksgiving weekend, and I know we've got folks still even traveling home today. Some folks are even still doing Thanksgiving today. Uh, but in actuality, it's the beginning of the Christmas season. And as I was thinking this week about Christmas and about this coming season, and December 1st begins tomorrow, I know that Christmas can be a time of mixed feelings. I know that Christmas can be a time of even maybe a little bit of a divided heart. Let me explain to you what I mean. Christmas can be amazing. Christmas can be wonderful. Uh, Christmas can be full of beauty, can be full of magic. I've got a list of words. It's hopeful. It's about family. It's about desire and joy and love and celebration. And that's true. Christmas is about those things. But Christmas can also be a hard time. Christmas can be a hard time for a lot of folks, and it can be hard for a variety of reasons. And I've got a list of words to describe what Christmas can be like. It can be disappointing. It can be hurtful. You can feel like you're under pressure. Uh, you can be angry. You can be stressed. You can even be cynical. Uh, Christmas creates busyness. Christmas puts stress on your finances. Uh, it can put stress on your schedule. Uh, you, it can stir and create grief. Uh, Christmas can be a real mixed bag, if you will. Well, what I want to do this morning is I want to encourage you. I want to help turn your heart toward God and to allow God to be in your Christmas this Christmas season. Now, when I was a boy, I always enjoyed the holidays. Probably across this room, all of you probably helpfully have memories, good memories of Christmas. I mean, I can remember those times growing up with my family and my cousins and my aunts and uncles would come from Dallas and we would eat together and we would do gifts together. And when I was growing up, uh, we, did, we opened Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve. Then on Christmas morning when we were younger, Santa Claus would come. And I can remember one time when my brother and I were small, uh, we lived in a small house in Amarillo. It had two bedrooms and one bathroom. And uh, my aunts and uncles came to stay with us and so there was nowhere to sleep. So my brother and I were designated to sleep on the couch. And we were so excited because we, here's what I thought. We're going to catch Santa Claus. We're going to catch him. I mean, he's going to come in. Now, we didn't have a chimney, but we made sure the door was unlocked so we could get in. And uh, we were going to catch him. And uh, I, that year, my brother wanted a bicycle for Christmas, and I wanted a stereo from Sears and Roebuck. And, uh, oh, I can just remember how excited we were. And so, man, we went to bed that night on my mother's green couch. I can remember the feeling of it and everything. And uh, I slept then like I do now, and I fell asleep, and uh, he came and he went. And uh, he got away with it, and I never did catch him. Uh, but, but, I did, but I did get a great present. Now, 
then you move into adulthood, and I know that Christmas can be something that, that always is not necessarily what you want it to be. How many of y'all know that today is the first day of Advent? Okay, yeah, if you were raised in a liturgical church, which means liturgy, which could be Methodist, it could be uh, Episcopalian, it can be Lutheran, it can be Catholic, uh, you know today's the first day of Advent. Now, I was raised in a church that did not celebrate Advent. I didn't know anything about Advent, didn't know anything about any of that. We weren't raised that way. We really didn't prepare our hearts for Christmas when I was growing up. Now, there was anticipation for Christmas, okay? We put up the tree. We bought gifts. There was that anticipation of Christmas morning. But we were, and we were Christians and went to church, but we really didn't do anything spiritually to prepare our hearts for Christmas. And so Christmas Eve would come. We'd do gifts. Christmas morning would come. We'd do, Santa Claus would come. We would eat. And on December 26th, Christmas was over. And, I mean, it was time to get the tree down and throw it in the dumpster. And, uh, I mean, and we, and we moved on. Man, I mean, Christmas was over. Well, here, here's what I want you to understand this morning. I, I, I want to talk just a little bit to you about Advent, okay? And I'm not trying to turn you into a Lutheran or into an Episcopalian, all right? But here's what I want to do. Christmas is not a day. Now, it is December 25th, and I know that. But Christmas is a season, all right, And one of the things that we did when I was growing up is we tried to force everything about Christmas into December 25th. And we did all of our gifts. We did all of our eating. We did all of our hanging out in one day. And we would always leave that day, I don't know, just missing something. It was like there was more to it than, than what we were getting out of it. And I think the way you make that happen is by recognizing that Christmas is not a day but it is a season. That's what Advent represents. Advent starts today, and what Advent means is coming. That's what it means. And so two things are supposed to happen starting today up until Christmas Eve. We're supposed to be focused on that Christ has come. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. God sent his only son uh, who came to the earth in flesh and uh, grew up and lived and died on the cross for us and rose from the dead for our sins and for our salvation. That's the first coming. But then it's also supposed to stir in you that he's coming again. All right, Jesus promised that he would come, and he did. He has also promised that he'll come again, and he will. So here's what I want to encourage you in this morning. As we move out of November 30th today, the first day of Advent, and we move into December, I want to encourage you to turn your heart toward God over the month of December. And all the things that you do, whether you're putting up a Christmas tree, buying gifts, eating out, all the things that we're going to do, I want to encourage you to turn your heart toward Christ. Now, here's what the season of Christmas is supposed to do. Again, it's not a day. It's a season. Advent's supposed to focus my heart that Jesus has come and that he's coming again. Here's the second thing it's supposed to do. It's supposed to disrupt my flow in our culture. All right, what am I talking about when I say our culture? Our culture of consumerism, our culture of uh, spending too much money, buying gifts you don't want for people you don't like, right? All the things that you do to make Christmas happen, the pressure, the stress, the striving, all that junk that goes along with the holidays, what's Advent supposed to do? Well, it's supposed to focus your heart on Christ. It's supposed to focus you that Jesus has come and that he's coming again. Here's the th second thing it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be an intrusion into your life. It's supposed to be a disruption. Now, here's the thing. We hate disruption. 
We hate disruption. We want things to go our way. We don't want there to be any bumps in the road. We don't want there to be any problems. We want things to be smooth. We want our cars to work, our jobs to work. But Advent is not supposed to cause things to flow as much as it's supposed to be an intrusion to where you recognize that you need to turn your heart toward Christ. Now, here's how it works. See, I'm not asking you to turn completely like this. I'm asking you to turn just a little. The Bible says in James that if you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. All right, what am I saying this morning? I want you this Christmas season, this December, starting today, starting tomorrow, I want you to take a little bit of time each day, and I want you to turn your heart toward God. And I want you to think about that God sent his only son for you and that his only son is coming back for you. So we live between those two events. We live between the first advent and the second advent. And for Christmas to be what you desire for it to be, which I believe it can, it's turning your heart toward Christ. Now let me explain something to you. This last three weeks, I did a series called Be. And I talked about be hopeful, be generous, and be thankful. Now every single week when I preach, during the week I pray and I study. And I always ask God. I start, and, and I, 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 what does a cow do? It chews its cud, right? I'm always chewing my spiritual cud. I'm always thinking about what God wants to do and what he wants to say. And each week I pray and I go to God and I say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? What do you want me to speak to the people? What's on your heart? I study, I read, I pray. Because when you're here, I want to give, I want to honor your time, first of all. And I want to give you what I believe God has given me to give you. And I want to do that every single week. Now, let me explain a couple of things to you. First off, I want to tell you how to completely change how you attend church. All right, I'm going to show you how you can get more out of church than you've ever gotten in your entire life. How many of you would like to have that? Man, you want more out of church than you've ever gotten. Or right, here's the simple thing that you can start doing to make that happen. Every time you come to church and you come into the service, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God this simple question. God, what do you have for me today? God, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to do in me today? All the time, I'll have people come up after church. It happens all the time. People will come up after the service and they'll say, Pastor, you were talking right to me. Pastor, that message was just for me. It's like you were reading my mail. You must have talked to somebody at my job, but you, you spoke right to me. Many of you in this room have had that happen to you. All right, your heart is absolutely where it needs to be when you do that. And you know what else that is? It's supernatural. All right, the Holy Spirit is moving on you, speaking to you, comforting you, touching you, and changing you. And it's absolutely supernatural. And you're right where you need to be. Now, I also have people who come up, and they're good people, and I mean nothing by this, but they'll come up and say, oh, pastor, man, uh, there's a verse I thought of during your sermon, and next time you preach on that, you should use that verse. Or, oh, pastor, man, I've got a neighbor, and oh, I just wish they had been here today. I've been praying for them, and they so needed to hear that message. You know, when you do that, you know what happens? You usually don't get very much out of church because you always think the message is for someone else besides you. Now, let me explain to you about the person who comes up and says, hey, I thought of this verse. There's never anything wrong with that. But here's what I know. While I'm preaching, if you think of a verse that I'm not using, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. 
through that Bible verse. If you think of a story and you think, oh, man, I wish Pastor would tell this story. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, ministering to you about what's going on. That's why I think if you're wise, you bring a notebook and you bring a pen, not because I'm going to say something important, okay? But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you can write it down. I've got a book I carry with me everywhere I go. I have a journal. And when I read books and when I read my Bible and when my wife is in Hobby Lobby uh, and falls into the black hole and stays in there for an eternity, all right? And I'm out in the parking lot reading my book and the Lord speaks something to me. Oh, I grab my pen, I get my book out and I write it down. Then I go back in my book and I flip through the pages and I read it and I'm always amazed at what God's saying to me, all right? That will change what God does in your life by opening yourself up. Now, I said all that to say this. This last three weeks, I taught a series. And here's what the Holy Spirit told me this week. He said, Rusty, he said, I gave you those three messages to prepare your heart for the coming Christmas season. Well, I didn't connect the dots. I'm thinking, really, are you kidding me? And yeah, and God said, yes, I want you to be hopeful Be generous and be thankful. And I want you to carry that into the Christmas season. Well, here's what I want to do this morning. And I've never done this before. I want to just do a little quick review with you and go back and stir your hearts to what the Holy Spirit spoke to us these last three weeks and show you what God said. Here's the very first thing I said three weeks ago. I said for you to be hopeful. All right, now listen. I want to read a verse to you out of Zechariah 9.11. Excuse me, nine, Zechariah 9.12 out of the Amplified Bible. Now, let me set this up for you. Zechariah is talking to the children of Israel who've been carried to Babylon into slavery. And they've lost their lives, their families, their past, their culture, their future. Everything's been stolen from them. Everything that they valued has been taken from them. And this is what God says to them through the prophet He says, return to the stronghold of security and prosperity, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. I want you to focus on one phrase, you prisoners of hope. All right, here's what I want you to see that I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to remind you of as you move into the Christmas season, that you make sure your heart is a prisoner of hope. Now, not this. I don't want you to be a prisoner of disappointment a prisoner of hurt, a prisoner of grief, a prisoner of pressure, a prisoner of anger, a prisoner of stress, a prisoner of cynicism and busyness, but instead I want you to be a prisoner of hope. Proverbs says to guard your heart. I want you to guard it this Christmas season from cynicism. I want you to guard it from hurt. And I want you to allow yourself to be a prisoner of hope. Listen, folks, we have the greatest hope in the universe, and that is God has sent his son for us. We are a people of hope. Amen? We are a people of hope. Here's the second thing I said, to be generous. Now, I'm going to quote a very famous verse that's so famous to you that when I say it, you won't even listen to it because you've heard it too much. And you think, oh, I know that verse. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave. Listen, folks, when you love, you give. When you love, you give. God gave his only son for us. Amen? So I want to encourage you to be generous. The Holy Spirit wanted me to remind you this morning to be generous. And I want to give you some instructions on something I'd like for you to do. Over the next 30 days as you're going to Walmart and going to Amarillo and doing the things that you do, 
when you come across that person ringing that bell with that red kettle for the Salvation Army, I want you to reach in your pocket and I want you to put some money in that red kettle because the Salvation Army is a tremendous ministry. And they feed and clothe people. They bring the gospel to people. And they have a ministry that goes throughout the entire world. Now, I support other good ministries, and maybe many of you do too. But I want you to know the Salvation Army is a good ministry. And when you walk by that cattle going into Walmart, I don't want you to put a quarter in it. I want you to put $5 in it. I want you to put $10 in it. I want you to be generous this Christmas season. Generous with your love. Generous with your grace. Generous with your kindness generous with your giving. The Holy Spirit wants me to remind you as you move into December that you're generous. The third thing I said was to be thankful, to be thankful. The verse I read was 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, always be joyful and never stop praying. Always be joyful and never stop praying. That says pray without ceasing. All right, so I want to remind you this morning of what the Holy Spirit spoke through me that I studied and prayed over and that you carry it into December, that you're hopeful, that you're generous, and that you don't stop praying and you don't stop being joyful regardless of what's going on in your life. Now, we've got two things I want to do this morning that I want to remind you of. The first thing is, is I have a Christmas reading card. All right, and the ushers in just a minute are going to give you an opportunity to get one of these. We use these every year. What is it? They're verses out of the Bible that are related to Christmas, and it starts tomorrow. Now, this is a tool to help you in your private time to turn your heart toward God throughout the Christmas season. You guys want to go ahead and hand them out? You can if you want one. If you want one of these, the ushers will give you one. It starts tomorrow. The readings are out of the Scripture. They're very short. Some of them may only be a sentence, but it's a scripture to help turn you toward Christ this Christmas season. I'm going to use it. I'm going to start in the morning, and I'm going to take the first one, which is Isaiah 7, 14, and Micah 5, 2. And I'm going to read that in my devotion time in the morning. And I'm going to remind myself of the Christmas season and that Jesus has come for me. So I wanted to give this out to you. Now, we've got some left over, I think, and after the service, if you'd like an extra one to give to somebody else, you're welcome to do that. But I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to take a few minutes. Listen, I do devotions every morning. I get up in the morning, and I read my Bible, and I talk to Jesus. And it's one of the single, how can I say it? It's one of the single most powerful things I do in my Christian walk. I get up in the morning and I talk to Jesus and I read my Bible and I pray. And I take a few minutes each day to do that. I guarantee you if you'll do that, many of you who bought the book uh, Jesus Calling, that's one of the most amazing devotional books I've ever seen. It's like Jesus is talking to you in the first person. If you'll incorporate that into your devotional time, you'll grow spiritually in 2015. But take this card this next month. It goes all the way through December 28th to the end of Christmas. The other thing I do is I have a Christmas devotional. Now, I got it online, and I have it downloaded on my iPad. If you have an iPad or a smartphone, you can Google Christmas devotional. The one I got is free, 
and it's a little devotional that started today, and it's focused around Christmas, and it turns my heart toward Christ, and it turns my heart toward that Jesus has come the first time, and he's coming back to get me the second time. And I take a few minutes in the morning, and I read that devotional, and I turn my heart toward Christ. Now, let me tell you a couple of things here at the end. Expect your Christmas season to be opposed. Because you see, there is a devil. And the devil doesn't take a Christmas holiday. You know the devil doesn't put a Christmas tree up in hell, right? You know that? Now, I didn't say he lived in hell. I just said he doesn't put up a Christmas tree in hell, right? Okay? You know, the, the, where's the devil? He's on the earth. He's not locked up in hell. Now, he will be locked up in hell, but he's not right now. All right, here's the thing I want you to see. The devil hates celebration. Whether it's a birthday party, a wedding, an anniversary, Christmas gathering, Thanksgiving gathering. This is really powerful. This will really help you if you'll understand this. Anytime you gather and want to celebrate with your family, the devil hates that. Darkness hates it when you celebrate life. Because you see, the devil doesn't want you to have enough life to celebrate. He doesn't want you to remember the goodness of God. He doesn't want you to gather around the Christmas tree. He doesn't want you to read the Christmas story. He doesn't want you to sit at your dinner table and talk about the goodness of God. And anytime you try to do those things, when you have a birthday party, when you have a wedding, we've all been to events, haven't we? And we want them to be rich and meaningful. And we want them to be special. And then you leave that event and you just think, man, something was missing. Something was lacking. I don't know what it was but it's just not what i wanted it to be two things are going on okay number one you were made for the kingdom and the only thing that's going to fully satisfy your heart is when all things are restored and we're in the kingdom the second thing going on is the devil opposes celebration whether you're having a birthday party or having a wedding why am i telling you this because the devil hates christmas he also hates Easter. He hates anything that turns our hearts toward Christ. And you know what he wants to do to you? He wants you to be busy. He wants you to be tired. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to be cynical. He wants you to move into that instead of moving into a place of, hey, Jesus, I turn my heart toward you. Jesus, fill our Christmas this year. Fill our family time together. Jesus, I'm grateful that you came. I'm grateful that you're at work in my life. He doesn't want you to do that. So he's going to do everything he can to oppose you. Now, I want to read a verse and show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to read 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. It says, do not love the world nor the things it offers you. Now, let me give you a little clarification. Okay, when I say the word world or the Bible says world, it means our culture. What do you mean our culture? Well, just this world we live in, the culture. The music, the, the way things are, our culture. You notice how the world's not turning you toward Christ. You know how when you turn on TV at night, unless it's on a Christian channel, they're not talking about the things of God. It's our culture. All right, listen to what it says. Do not love this culture or world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world or the culture, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world or our culture offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And let me stop right there and go back and read it to you one more time. The world you live in offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. 
What's the world saying? Hey, come buy this. Hey, come get this. You want this. You need this, right? Line up around the building at 8.30 on Thanksgiving night and get a 72-inch flat-screen TV for $500. You want that, right? You want our car. You want our clothes, right? That's the culture. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have things. I have things. I'm not against that. But it's the lie that it'll fix your life. All right, listen to it one more time. The world or our culture offers a craving for physical pleasure, for a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. There's three things that are going to attack you this Christmas season. The world or the culture, the flesh, my wanter, right, and the devil. All I want you to recognize is is you need to keep your armor on, keep your dukes up, and resist the devil. How do you resist the devil? You say, devil, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Get off my life and get off my family. And then you say, God, I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for what you're doing in my life. I'm thankful that you fill our Christmas. I'm thankful that you fill our family time and that it's rich and it's everything we want it to be because, Jesus, you're in the middle of it. Let me give you some simple things in closing that I want you to do. Let me be the first to say Merry Christmas. Right, I'm the first one, right? Now say it back to me. All right, everywhere you go the next 25 days, I want you to tell people Merry Christmas. Whether it's Walmart, the dollar store, you're at all subs at 2 in the morning getting a burrito and a Monster Energy drink. And you don't have to tell me what you're doing at 2 in the morning. It's okay, amen? <laughs> Whatever it is you're doing, right? You know, this, uh, you know, a month or so ago, I went to the liquor store here in town to put up a poster for a fundraiser that I'm involved in. Well, the fundraiser is over, so I went back this last week to get the poster down. I went in and visited with the girl, and we had a great visit, and I got the poster, and I got in my truck, and I went over to Swisher Tire to get air in my tire. And every guy working in there was standing there looking out the window. And when I walked in the door, they said, Pastor, what were you doing at the liquor store? It's like, give me a break, y'all. I mean, I was there getting a poster, right? I mean, and, and they said, well, we noticed you didn't have anything in your hand. And it's like, well, I just kept it by my leg as I walked to the truck so nobody would see, right? So, so even if you go in the liquor store, say Merry Christmas, amen? Wherever you go the next 25 days, when you check out whatever it is you're doing, when you greet people, I want you to greet them with Merry Christmas. Why? Because I believe it'll stir your heart. Amen? All right, here's the next thing. Embrace Christmas. Now, I know Christmas isn't going to be perfect. You know why? Because my life's not perfect, and neither in yours is yours. And, the, and, and this doesn't fix everything, and I know it. But I just want you to embrace that Christ has come. Here's the next thing. Take a few minutes during your time these next few weeks and draw toward God. Just draw toward Him. Just, just turn your heart toward God and say, God, I need you in my life. Here's the last thing. And this is something I've never thought of before, and I really believe it's the Holy Spirit. Christmas is a holy time. Now, again, when I say holy, I don't mean religious. Okay, I, when you hear the word holy, I don't know what that stirs in you. But what holy means is set apart for the purpose of God. Listen, Christmas is set apart for the purpose of God. 
right? Think about in the culture we live in. God's been wiped out of a lot of our culture, but still our culture embraces and celebrates Christmas. And we can still say Merry Christmas, and people still put up nativity scenes. Christmas is God's purpose, which makes it holy. Christmas is a holy time. It's a special time. I believe God's grace and God's mercy and God's anointing is on the Christmas season. There's no better time to reach out and love people. There's no better time to smile at people knowing that they'll smile back. There's no better time to share the love of Christ, whether it's with your giving or sharing your testimony or or praying for people. People just seem to be more open at Christmas. Do you know why? Because it's a holy time. God's hand is on it. So all I want to encourage you to do is you just embrace it. As you move tomorrow, Monday, into your work week, and it's December 1st, start your prayer card. Uh, Start turning your heart toward God and thank Him for the season of Christmas. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I believe you'll have the best Christmas you've ever had. It'll be the richest, the best that you've ever wanted it to be by simply being thankful, being generous, and being hopeful. All right, y'all stand up and let me pray for you.